0: Well, good morning. Isn't it awesome like to worship in person, even when it's a small band? Let's just clap for them, I thought they were awesome. Like Even if it's a smaller band, like you're singing along, you, you can actually like hear yourself, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Um, but for me, it was, <laughs> it was just cool to hear so many other people sing, so thank you for being a part of that with us. Well, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the pastor here. Thanks for checking out our one-hour service with the mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a deeper and a more worshipful way our style might just be a little different than other churches around us. So today, though, we are continuing a newer series that we are calling Voices. And when we talk about this series, we are talking about the internal voices in your head. I actually wanted to call this series Voices in Your Head, uh, but I said this last week. my My wife advised me not to. She's like, Aaron, people already think you're a little out there, um, so saying you have voices in your head might freak them out a little bit. Um, Well, anyways, I want to clarify with you. I don't have random voices in my head, but I do have internal thoughts, some that are positive and controlled and push me to being the best me, to being who I think God wants me to be. But then I have some negative ones, some uncontrolled ones, some anxious and straight-up just unhealthy thoughts. Our thoughts, they are powerful. Internally, they can change our perspective. They can impact our decisions. They can influence what becomes habitual for us. But sometimes we can become trapped by our thoughts and unable to control them and be full of anxiousness. So again, we're talking about how to control that in this four-part series. And we're going to be talking about how God has given us tools to combat that wrong thinking. Because honestly, I know I need his guidance on this. And I'm guessing you maybe do too. This week, we are talking about anxious and anxiety-filled thinking. The word anxious, it's defined like this. It says, experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Or another definition would be wanting something very much, typically with a feeling of unease. Now, for me, I experience that. And I'm assuming many of us experience those things too, even when Scripture tells us specifically not to. Uh, In Philippians 4, 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I struggle doing the things Scripture says to do, specifically with this one. Having anxious thoughts is the time when you let your mind wander or voices in your head go down this path of worry. Let's just think for, from an example that I think that maybe we could all relate with a little bit, because um, I'm guessing we've all been to school before, but imagine you're in school, you get a bad grade, and you, all of a sudden you start thinking like, ah, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to college or even get a good job, uh, which now means you're going to probably marry the wrong person. You're going to have the wrong kid. They're probably going to have crooked teeth. You're going to have to get them braces, and that's going to mean you're not going to have enough money for things because braces are expensive, and you can't even afford braces. You can't even afford paying for college because you're still paying off your own college. And, and then like, your child's going to resort to crime, and then your kids are going to go to prison, and that's going to be your life. A little bit of exaggeration, right? <laughs> because of one bad grade in eighth grade in Mr. Kramer's class, hypothetically speaking, of course. So that's just me. <laughs> so I'm exaggerating a bit, but not really, right? But how about this one? You have a headache and you like, are like, ah, oh, my head, is that a lump? Is that a lump on my head? Like, it must be a brain tumor or am I gonna, am I, am I gonna die tomorrow? Like, I looked at Google and it says sudden death is a symptom in 0.001% of people that have this. Right? These are some extremely anxiety-filled thinking moments but anxious thoughts aren't just like that. They're not just the extremities of things. Anxious thinking can be a number of different things. It can be nonstop thinking about one thing in particular, about getting that paycheck in on time or getting to a destination like, and checking the clock every minute to see if you're there yet. It's waiting to find out results for something. It's a delivery of information. It's a season you're heading into and you're like, it's, just, it's all bad, it's going to be all bad. It's bad news and worrying about the bad news and how much worse it's going to be. It's nonstop thinking about if you did the right thing or wrong thing or not. Do you ever have these anxious thoughts? I like to show uh, video clips in our services each week that kind of relate to today's time. Well, this show, it's a top 10 Netflix show, all right? But my daughter loves it, uh, and she's one, by the way. It's called Coco Melon. Has anybody seen Coco Melon? Anybody heard of Coco Melon? All right. All right, Uh, so I like to show these clips. So I'm gonna show you a little clip that reminds me of an anxious moment. Check it out. Are we there yet? Not yet. Are we there yet? Not yet. Are we there yet? Not yet. Are we there yet? yet? Let's play a game. Sorry for that. (laughs) You were probably anxious for that clip to be over, right? I'm right there with you. That was me too. Here's two more video clips for you so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not showing you another one. (laughs) But these are some anxious things, right? Like, are we there yet? And these are the type of things that we're going to be talking about today and how God can help us calm our minds in those moments. Now before I dig in, I want to put a disclaimer out there. I believe anxiety is very real, and I don't want to like, diminish clinically diagnosed anxiety as it's very real and it's very life-altering. Professional counseling is a very important component. Personally, I'm not a professional psychologist, so as we talk about this today, I am coming at it as a pastor, one who's studied scripture, one who's done other pastoral studies, but with all that said, know that professional help is a huge component to combating real clinical anxiety, along with, I think, honestly, some of the things we talk about today are going to be substantial for you. But honestly, for me personally, I'm going to confess, and it's embarrassing for me to say as a pastor, but I deal with being anxious a lot. Anxious thinking in my life is very real, and it sometimes disrupts my life at times. Uh, it's with other people's thoughts of me. Like, what are people thinking of me? I, I'm, I'm always thinking like, do, they, do I look too happy to them? Do I look too sad to them or too mad? I'm always thinking, what are other people thinking? Or it's with impatience I have with getting results. Like, and I'm always assuming the worst case scenario. It's fixating on the possibility of something going wrong or not as planned. Uh, it's being nervous about what could happen if everything goes wrong or even if it's a 1% chance. For me, it's the desire uh, for something so bad at times that it consumes my life and I miss out on things. That's a huge part of anxiety, right? You're thinking about the negative and instead of the positive, you're putting stress on yourself instead of relaxing. You are desiring something instead of enjoying what you have. You're nervous about time running out instead of enjoying the time you do have. You are consumed when you could be relieved. Have you been there before? Anxious, dealt with overtaking thoughts, well, if so, to any extent, God addresses this. And how he does it is through what Paul has written in the Bible. If you weren't here last week, we are talking about how Paul has taken us through this series of becoming controllers over our mind. And Paul was a master of controlling his mind and his thoughts. He was, if you don't know Paul, he was a big shot of the Bible. He wrote lots of it um, and lots of what the Bible is today. And he's formed the church into what it is today. And he is who we're learning from for this series. Now Paul, a few things you maybe don't know about him, but maybe you do, is Paul, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he dealt with robbers. Paul, he was seen as one who's undeserving of mercy from any of his friends, his native people or foreigners. He was abandoned by his friends. He dealt with hunger, thirst, sleeplessness, the cold. He was asked to leave cities when he walked into them. And Paul spent a great deal of his time in prison. And the passage we're focusing on today is in Philippians, which is a letter to the Philippian people that Paul wrote while in prison. Now, it's an encouragement letter, though. Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, and it's an encouragement letter, which is very different than some of his other letters, as many of his other letters corrected things. But Paul, this guy in prison, is writing this letter encouraging others. Now, the reason I tell you this is that I think is inspiring on so many levels, right? I don't know about you, but when I experience a negative thing after doing something, like a negative thing like being shipwrecked or thrown in prison or whatever it is, I experience anxiety over it happening again and again in my life, and I avoid it on all costs. Or I let my mind wander while I'm getting close to doing it again and it makes my life scared about the potential of it happening again. And I'm also not encouraging of others to go into it, right? But Paul is. Paul is and he encourages believers even after experiencing so much negativity for his belief. And he tells us these amazing words in Philippians. It says this in Philippians four, six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what we're talking about today. Let's just break it down what it says again. So it says, don't be anxious about anything, but be in prayer and petition, or in request to God is what that means. With thanksgiving being thankful, but requesting things, and then the peace of God will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. Sounds easy to do, right? Sounds easy. But honestly, as a Christian person, there are some things to this, and even as a pastor, that I've forgotten to do at times or I've struggled with. In my life, some of the things that I'm anxious about that sometimes I forget to do is pray. I forget to pray about it. And I go into this spiral. So if you're like me, literally prayer could be your first solve to your anxious thoughts. Sermon one, done. Let's get out of here, right? Done. Um, but sometimes, sometimes I do pray and sometimes you do pray, I'm guessing too. Especially with petition. Like, God, I need this. Fix this for me. But not really in thanksgiving in those moments sometimes. So that leads to a spiral too. I'm just asking. I need this. I need this. And I'm thinking all about what I need. Honestly, that could be your second solve. Thanking God for what he's already provided you. Sermon two, done. You're getting two for one today. Nice. And then in those moments, though, I'll give you one more. Letting peace that transcends your, my understanding sit with me. So meaning I might not have the logical explanation for why it's all going to be okay, but I trust God and I put my nerves on him and experience peace from that. That could be your third solve, is experiencing that peace of just knowing God's got it. Sermon three, done. You can leave here with three sermons already. Boom, done. Ten minutes, nap time, you're done for the day. Honestly, though, those are huge. Those are huge things, but I know some of you will want more. And I think sometimes a deeper understanding of each of these pushes us to further action and a closer connection to, go, to God. So we're going to keep going. So we're going to look actually at the chemistry of things in our minds for a second here. And as I said last week, I'm no neurologist, but I do know a few things about how our brain works. It's fascinating. I don't totally get it, but Google really helps. Um, Anyways, there's this part of your brain, this little almond-shaped portion of it, and it's called the amygdala. Uh, It looks kind of like that. You have this in your brain, and it's the part of your brain that is wired for survival your fight or flight type response. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fight or flight? Yep. Okay, good. Um, So, for example, a big dude is running at you with a knife. First off, scary situation. Don't put yourself in those situations. But anyways, if you're in that situation, you would do one of these things. You'd fight or you'd flee, right? You'd flight. Uh, And what that is doing is that's triggered by your amygdala. Uh, For me, I... I have a response, amygdala response when it comes to these things, Uh, birds, (laughs) I have a little phobia of birds. I was dive-bombed by swallows, uh, barn swallows, Uh, as a kid, I mean a teenager, okay, maybe a 20-year-old. And every time now I see a, a, a bird coming at me, I duck and I fear for my life. It's a real thing. It's my amygdala saying, watch out, this bird's coming for your eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Uh, another example is I had a past coworker who used to sneak up on me and karate chop me uh, because I'm a black belt, but he thought since I'm a black belt, I should have ninja senses and know even if he's standing next to me and hits me that I should block that. Um, so anytime someone touches me, I like snap. You know, I like freak out. It's my amygdala saying watch out. Now, these are great responses, but the problem is the amygdala is not objective. It's just hardwired to protect you. It's hardwired to essentially create anxiety-like thoughts. What sometimes calms us down in those moments when they aren't scary situations is we have another part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, all right? And that deals with logic, the part then that helps your response. It decides if it should be an anxiety-filled fear or not. So for example, I said I'm afraid of birds. This is a true story. Um, one of the people that watch our daughter during the week, they have a bird at their house. It's a pigeon. It's in their house. I walk in and I instantly do one of these. But then I'm like, it's in a cage. It's in a cage. It's okay. Um, and, I, and I have the logic take over that the bird's not coming for my eyes. And it's a pigeon, here, all right? Makes sense. The logic takes over. But what about a serious situation, right? In bad, tough, scary, stressful, uh, adult, or real-life situations, we can either freak out about them, let our anxiety take over, or, as our verse says, pray about them and have the logic of God with us help us. Now, if you're not a Christian person in the room, or simply just a skeptical person, or a skeptical person that's a Christian, you might be like, come on, Aaron, pray, that's it. That's kind of like what we do in our last hope, right? I mean, I can relate a little bit as I've struggled with prayer in my faith journey. Honestly, that shouldn't be how we see prayer. Uh, Prayer is powerful. It's not the last line of defense. It's the first line of offense. In Hebrews 4.16, it talks about this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us go to God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Prayer is this thing that moves the heart of God. It's this conversation with God, and it's meaningful to God. Prayer also, though, it changes the chemistry in your brain. People who have studied brains and spirituality have found that prayer changes the way you think. A communication pathologist, cognitive neuroscientist, that's a mouthful, right? That's a person, that's an occupation. She stated this, she said, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to an extent so much that it can be measured on a brain scan. That's Dr. Caroline Leaf. So what she's saying is they can see that prayerful thinking, it changes the way you think. It changes your brain's responses. Just as like toxic, negative thoughts, they hurt your brain, Prayer heals, transforms, and renews your mind. So why do you experience excessive worry, panic, or anxiety? Well, the science is saying we are experiencing an amygdala hijacked. To illustrate this just a little bit further with you, and it's going to get a little weird in here for a second, so hang with me, um, I want to talk about cookies with you. And while we do, we're going to have our host come and pass some cookies out to you. um, So the host can come on down, take one if you'd like, Now, personally, I love cookies. They're delicious. I consider myself a cookie snob. Specifically, chocolate chip and M&M, but M&M is ultimately my favorite. As these cookies are coming around, I even made a little list of my top 10 for you so that you know, like, which ones are the best. Um, My mom's at number one. You're getting right now a number two, Sam's Club. Um, so you're getting number two because my mom was busy this weekend. Um, but anyways, in our weekly email, a month or so ago, I sent out a survey, and one of the questions was, what is your favorite cookie? And this was your response, um, so 70% of you said chocolate chip, that was the wrong answer. It was M&M, so that's why you're getting M&M, um, but that same survey, some of you also said you aren't human. I'm not from planet Earth, I don't like cookies, is I think like 1% in there. So awkward. Um, But anyways, the reason we have cookies here is they have always been this thing that has brought anxiousness in my mind. Like when they are around, you can eat them by the way, like dig in. When they are around, uh, I become kind of consumed by them. I feel like I gotta have another, and then another, and then another, and it consumes my mind. It consumes my thinking. uh, So even when they're sitting right here in front of me. Now, I'm not sure if my amygdala, like when when I'm around other people, if my amygdala is seeing every other person as like a threat potentially, or at the gathering as a threat and I feel like I gotta make sure I get the cookies before they get them, in which my mind fights and thinks I need more. But I'm instantly anxious and I experience monstrous-like thoughts in my mind. And it turns my mind into this cookie monster of feeling I need cookies, right? Now, I think many of you recognize this character as the cookie monster from Sesame Street. Apparently, he's now the veggie monster. Trust me, I have no issues with the veggie monster in my head, just the cookie monster. So this is the cookie monster. Um, But I bring this monstrous guest up here on purpose because although I don't picture the cookie monster in my mind or this guy, uh, I still basically have the voice of one in my mind. For example, when I'm at home and there's a box of cookies like this, I can't stop thinking about it. I feel like I got to eat more. I got to eat more. And even though it's just like my wife and our daughter and I, like, at our house, um, my wife, she knows how to eat. She knows how to eat cookies. But, like, I feel like I just, the box is always in front of me. Like, I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. Like, that's how I feel. Okay, we're good. We're good. (laughs) Or sometimes I'll indulge and I'll eat one. But as I'm eating it, my mind is already thinking about the second one. It's already thinking about the second one. And I'm thinking about, like, how I need to have another one in my, in my mouth. <laughs> when I'm around other people, I counter-research what everyone else has, like, to kind of call people out on, like, maybe they're eating too many. Like, whoa, like, you got to calm down. You guys got to calm down over there. Like, that's too many. I, I need more, you know. And I instantly am, like, calling people out but it's this mind game for me. It's anxiousness of what is going to happen to the cookies, right? I'm nervous about it. It's like this monstrous-like thinking, saying I need to maximize eating them, making sure I eat all of them, making sure I don't miss out, making sure no one else eats them. So much so that I literally, when I reflect on my personal thoughts logically, I feel like I have a Cookie Monster in my head. Thank you, Cookie Monster. You're a very cute cookie monster. Uh. Um. Now that's me with a silly example of cookies, right? But now I want to use that illustration for you to think differently for yourself. I want you to think, what consumes your mind in which your mind creates a monster that fills you with anxious thoughts? I'll say that again, what consumes your mind in which your mind creates this monster that fills you with anxious thoughts? For you, is it you create a monster of an unrealistic image of what you think your boss is going to say or think or, or about the work you do or your work ethic, and it's causing you to have anxious thinking? Is it of what you think your friend thinks of you because of what you said or how you said it or what you wore? Is it how you've created a monster of, only bad outcomes in your mind and oddly so the over-exaggerated outcomes of anxiety-like potentials happening with your health or with that letter you get in the mail or with whether or not you'll get picked or not or how you think that person is strategizing against you or why you got caught or not or chosen or not or why someone said the thing they did or what will happen to you if you don't get that job, you don't get that opportunity, you don't have what you want or why you have to wait, or maybe you're making God the monster in your mind and your head and thinking negatively of him as you are waiting on him to provide for you. Our anxious thoughts, they can spiral and they can seem as if they're coming from something evil or this monster that causes unnecessary worry and negative thinking in our minds. If that's you, I mean it's me, but if you also deal with this, God would say our mind is being dominated or we are letting sinful thinking control our thoughts. Because let's think, what's worry? Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. It's saying, God, I do not trust you. I don't trust you with my family. I don't trust you with my job, that incident, my health, with, with what you say about me versus others, with my current situation. We are letting worry or sinful or wrong or evil, like almost we have like this little devil on our shoulder or a cookie monster in our mind is the picture I have in my mind as a monster pushing anxious thinking into my brain. It's being consumed by the sinful. So to combat this, so to combat this, what we are going to do is instead of letting our sinful nature control our minds, what if we choose to let the Spirit, God, direct our thinking meaning when our amygdala freaks out and gets hijacked, we're going to train the logical part of our brain to choose what the spiritual way of thinking is in those situations. We are training our brain. Paul, again, he was a master of thought. He talks about this training in Romans. It says this in Romans 8, 5 through 6. It says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's letting the spirit take every thought captive, choosing to acknowledge the amygdala thinking, but not letting it control you. By letting your prefrontal cortex, the logic part of your brain, take over. And our logic, when defined by scripture and accompanied by scripture, it's telling us give it to God. Give it to God. How we do that is this. Uh, I think there's three basic steps that Romans kind of talks about. It's, It's do what you can, do what I can, eat right, study, budget, work hard, persevere, whatever that is, do what you can, give it to God, which means pray about it, and then trust God no matter what. Imagine that. Imagine how your heart would feel in those moments. You'd experience peace, right? Imagine how your life would feel. You'd be joyful. Imagine like the peace in your mind of trusting God. It's possible to experience this. And it's also a choice that you can choose to do or train your brain to think. For me, when cookies are around, I don't have to eat every single one because I choose the logic in me of saying, No to letting my mind think about cookies, and I also am thankful to have just one. It's okay for you to grab another one on your way out, too. Um, But to share uh, something a little bit deeper than cookies, because I deal with this anxiousness in other areas, too. I have anxious thoughts in multiple areas. For me, I have anxious thoughts about whether I did enough for a person or not. Like, I counsel some people here at times, and I worry that I didn't do enough. Or I did too much. Uh, I have anxious thoughts about whether I did everything the right way sometimes. Did I do everything the way it was supposed to be done? Did I miss anything? I have anxious thoughts about whether I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I think I did that thing wrong. Uh, what should I do? Like, did I take advantage of something or do something incorrect? I have anxiety over that. I have anxious thoughts about whether someone is out to get me or not sometimes. Why is that person thinking that way about me? What, did, what do they have against me? I have anxious thoughts about if I'm doing my purpose. Like, should I be doing something else? Like, uh, I probably should try something else right away. But if I'm, le- I'm in the mentality of letting the Spirit lead me, I do what I can, I give it to God, and I trust God no matter what. What is it for you? As we spend our, our last five minutes together, we're going to get really practical on how you can control anxious thoughts, and it's fully directed by God. If we look to the verse we started with, it's Philippians four, six through seven, it says this, do not be anxious about everything, or anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I think, again, the solution of what it's saying is, is exactly those three steps that we just talked about. Do what you can, Give it to God and trust God no matter what. For you, you might be here and you've never done that before, and maybe you want to. You want to like trust God for the first time. You want to you want to be able to hand off anxiousness to God, the God of the universe, to experience peace that you honestly never thought you could. First uh, Peter five seven it says this: casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Meaning God will take those things from you. Uh, if that's you, tell God you want a connection with Him tell him you want to start a relationship with him. You want the ability to experience peace by you just telling him that and saying you've messed up at times. That's you saying to God and starting a relationship with him and and becoming a Christian, starting your faith journey with God. Some of you have done that though before. So I want to keep continuing with our main verse because it tells us what what to do next. The next verse after, or next two, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's saying, think about what's true, not just what could happen. Think about the noble, not the monstrous. Think about the right, not the wrong things. Think about the pure things, not the exaggerated things. Think about the lovely, not the worst case scenario. Think about the admirable, not the negative. Think about the excellent and praiseworthy, not the poor or critical. So what we're going to do is we're gonna think one of those thoughts causing our anxiety-filled moments in our lives, so think about whatever that one is for you. And last week, what we did is we replaced uncontrolled negative thinking with truths or scripture in our minds. Thinking the truth of God when the uncontrolled thoughts come in. And in that renewing, we are training our mind to think that way. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to actually write it. Uh, A few facts about writing is you remember better when you write. That's a true statement. You are using multiple sensory motors when you write. You're using the physical and the thinking. Uh, It's permanent. Like, it's not just this lofty thing that fades away as you think about other things. Uh, And it's also a clear statement. It's a clear concept that you have written and put onto paper. So what I want to do is in the seats in front of you, there's a card. And it's just for you. Um, But if you weren't here last week, I said, as part of the series, I'm giving you midweek resources to help you gain control of your mind uh, because it's a process, right? But on the card is one of the churchiest things uh, known in the church world And if you know me, you know I'm not into cliche church things unless there's a purpose. So we're actually giving you a Bible verse card each week to help you create new pathways to think clear and truth. Um, And we're going to do that for this whole series. So four times this, this, uh, this series. So take that card with you. It has the verse that we were looking at, those last two verses of our Philippians passage. Again, the one that says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, all those things the way you should think, that's on that card. That's for you to remind yourself of that. But on the back, there are some lines. And I want you to write or declare truth to an anxious thought you have. Write something that objectively defeats the cookie monster-like thought in your head that defeats the monstrous in your head. For example, I just lost my job, right? I'm hardworking, I can get another job. I didn't do well on this test. I never give up and I keep at it until I get it. I'm financially hurting. I am innovative and adaptable. We can make changes through this season. My relationships are struggling is maybe one for you. You write, I'm out of love. I can be patient and kind. My family will never get better. I show honor to my family, even during times they don't deserve. I will never get what I want. I delight, that God, or I delight in what God wants. He will help me get what's best. Maybe it's I'm struggling with something internally, inside. You write, I am cared by God. I will cast my fears on him. For me, the one I'm writing to remind myself when I experience anxiety, uh, especially in times when I'm trying to figure out, did I do the right thing or the wrong thing? Did I make the right choice or the wrong choice? I'm writing, I am a good citizen who chooses to do what is right and best for all. I actually, I have it on my phone. I, I have it on my phone along with 10 others that I look at and read in my moments of anxiety. What's yours? What's yours that you need to write today? write it, and maybe you need to do multiples of these this week. Do I really care if you write it right now or put it on paper? I mean, yes, I'd like it for you to do that. I wouldn't bring it up unless I thought it actually would help. But if it's so awkward for you, you don't have to do it here. We don't make you do anything here. But if you are feeling an inclination on that, write a clear statement. It's just for you. Again, it's for you to take home uh, so that you can beat your anxious thinking. Also, another way that we are partnering together uh, for this series is on uh, Wednesday mornings, I'm sending a spoken word song that is formed from Scripture on who God says you are and what you are able to do. I use them for when I'm lifting and getting jacked. Obviously, you can tell I haven't been doing that a lot lately. But anyways, there are these spoken word things that are inspiring, that tell you who you are. So if you don't get our weekly email and you would like to get those starting this week, you can fill out one of those Connect cards are in the seat in front of you and put them in the offering basket as they come by. Um, But with that said, I'm going to close us with a prayer as we wrap up part two of our series, Voices. If you want guidance from God to act on calming your anxious mind, let's pray together right now and I'll ask God to help us do that this week. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for... Thank you for giving us some examples of how we can get rid of anxiousness. God, we we saw that we can kind of give those anxious thoughts to you, trust in who you are. God, I pray that some of us are dealing with with monstrous type figures in our mind about very serious things. There are these voices in our head saying things or calling us things or providing anxiousness in our mind, and God... Help us defeat those. Help us uh, take over our minds and have the truth of who you say we are be something that's present in us. God, and some of us right now, we're saying we, we want a connection with you for the first time. We're saying, God, we want, we want you to take our, our anxiety-filled thoughts. We want to we have this connection with you. We want to start a relationship with you. Help us live for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.